I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. This week, we are following up with part two of our episodes about Disney's Nine Old Men. We've got the other four men that we didn't talk about last week to talk about this week. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. But first, we just want to circle back and follow up with Ezra who celebrated his 26th birthday last week, the day after we recorded. How was your birthday, Ezra? It was great. What did you do? I went to Yeti Snow Play up in the mountains. Wow. Was there a lot of snow up there? Yeah. Did you go tubing? I did, yeah. And I also went up the ski ramp up a mountain and and down again. And on my birthday, I saw the new Hotel Transylvania movie, Hotel Transylvania Transformania on Amazon Prime Video. Oh, so you didn't see it in the theaters? Well, well, it was going to come to theaters, but it was changed to Amazon Prime Video. Gotcha. And what did you think of Hotel Transylvania? It was really, really fun and a wonderful, epic conclusion to the franchise. Fun. How did it compare to the other film? For the first time, for instance... When the monsters become humans, we see Griffin the Invisible Man literally for the first time because we never saw him in the other three movies because he's invisible. Oh, yeah. So we actually finally see Griffin. Wow. I also, for my birthday, got some exciting gifts like a new Apple Watch and a new iPhone. Ooh, very fun. New technology is always nice. It makes things a lot easier. Yeah. Does your new Apple Watch have any features that you're particularly excited about? Yes, like this Apple Watch has an app store. So can you download all of the same or similar apps as you can in, on the iPhone? Yeah, like certain apps that are compatible with iPhone and iPad or that are also compatible with Apple Watch. Cool. You know, I have an Android, so I am not able to have an Apple Watch. I suppose I could get a different brand of smartwatch. That has like Google Wear OS. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about it, but um, I just haven't quite done it yet because they're kind of expensive. Yeah, I see. Maybe that would be a good thing to ask for for my birthday. Yeah, I agree. Since you have like, you're more of a Samsung and Google person than an Apple person. Yeah, exactly. And do you have a window? Do you have Windows or also Mac? I have Windows. So you're also more of a Microsoft person than an Apple person? Yep. Got it. But I had a really fun birthday and it was really cool. Two gifts I got were gadgets. Sounds fun. I'm glad you got what you were hoping for with those gadgets. Yeah, I know. So let's jump right into our feature presentation, shall we? Yes. Today we're going to be talking about Les Clark, Ward Kimball, John Lounsbury, and Wolfgang Reitherman. So I think I'll want to start with Wolfgang Reitherman. Great. He's also known as Wooly Reitherman. He is German, and he was one of the earliest of the Nine Old Men. Yes, the director of classic animated films such as 101 Dalmatians, The Sword of the Stone, uh, The Jungle Book, The Aristocats, The Winnie the Pooh, Shorts and the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, as well as The Rescuers and, and Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. He took a break from animation to go and serve during World War II, it looks like. 
but then came back and continued animating. Yes, that's right. I know. His son is Bruce Reitherman, who happens to be the original voice of Mowgli from The Jungle Book and Christopher Robin from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, cool. So it runs in the family. Yeah. Reitherman was instrumental in getting Walt Disney to produce Cinderella. He was also a supervising animator for Fantasia and an animation director for Pinocchio. Both classic Disney films from those from that early era. I know. He worked on some also some some shorts, like he was the director of the short Goliath the Second about a baby elephant. Oh, cool. I he also was a director and animator for Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan and Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm, Sequence mm-hmm. director for Sleeping Beauty and the educational short Donald Duck and Math Magic Land. He also was an animator for like some cartoons that, that starred Goofy. Oh, cool. He also animated a 1953 educational short called Ben and Me about Benjamin Franklin. Which is nonfiction for a change. Well, animated nonfiction. Like, based on a a historical figure. Yeah. Which is not the case for most of the animated films that he worked on. Wolfgang Reitherman passed away in 1985, but he was posthumously renamed Disney legend four years later in 1989. He, like all of the other nine old men, really was critical in the production of Disney's first fully animated film, which was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And Reitherman went on to direct a few mo- movies later in his career, too. I see, yeah, like 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, The Jungle Book, Winnie the Pooh, Aristocats, and Robin Hood, and The Rescuers. Yeah. Some of them he also produced as well. It's interesting that he went from animator to director when a lot of the other Night Old Men remained animators for their whole career. I see, yeah. Some of the films he directed, he also produced. Mm-hmm. And how are those two roles different, would you say? Director is the one who gives the lead of how the film should be made. The producer is the one in charge of the director. Yeah, and the producer is often the one who's responsible for um, gathering all of the other things that a director might need because they're controlling the money. So if the director needs, you know extras for this scene or certain sets for this scene the producer is the one who makes that kind of happen yeah i see yeah let's who should we talk about next how about john lounsbury yeah john lounsbury he was one of disney's nine old men and he first started as a as an assistant animator for the first feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm-hmm. But he quickly progressed to animator and then also directing animator. I, yeah, like another, he direct, he animated the fox in Pinocchio as well as Gideon, the cat. And he animated the hippos and the alligators in, in the Dance of the Hours segment in Fantasia. That's a beautiful segment. I love that scene. He also was the animator for... The three caballeros as well. The three title characters, Donald Duck, Jose Carioca, and Panchito. The same three caballeros that you saw in Disneyland, right, Ezra? He was also the an animator for George Darling, the patriarch of the Darling um, children in Peter Pan, as well as Captain Hook and the Indians. 
He was also narrator for Pongo and Perdita and their puppies in 101 Dalmatians, as well as some of the other characters, as, as well as Jasper and Horace, Cruella's two henchmen. He also animated a classic short called Lambert the Sheepish Lion from 1952. Cool. Oh, and some hybrid musicals he did as well, like Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. He animated the the farm animals in the Jolly Holiday number. Ah, one of my favorite scenes. It's a Wong Disney's most treasured classics. And his last film was in 1977. The Rescuers, yeah. All right, shall we move on to Ward Kimball? Uh, yes. Ward Kimball was a multi-talented man. Not only was he one of the Disney's nine old men, but he also was a trombonist in a jazz band and was really into music. I see a picture of him on Wikipedia um, and drawing Pico's Bill from one of the segments of the 1948 um, classic film, Melody Time. I've seen that photo too. And in it, he's drawing a really silly kind of curious face and he's making that face as he draws it. Yeah, like making kind of a a silly and goofy cowboy character. Yeah, he's even wearing a flannel and a cowboy hat and a bandana around his neck. Yeah, I see, yeah. And that's something that the Nine Old Men did often. You know, kind of mimicking Walt Disney's strategy. Walt Disney would often embody the characters he was describing when they were brainstorming characters and ideas for scenes in his films. And these animators also would try to embody the characters that they were animated to really get inside their head. And sometimes that looked like actually dressing like them or acting like them. Uh -huh. I see, yeah. He was the animator for Silly Symphony shorts like Elmer Elephant, Pluto's Judgment Day, The Tortoise and the Hare, and Ferdinand the Bull. All classics. Yes, from the 1930s. Mm-hmm. He, he was an animator of the scene of the Seven Dwarves Eating Soup, which was cut from the final movie. That's right. That was a scene that he worked so, so hard on, only for it to not even show up in the film. He was, a, he was the animation director for Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. I think I read somewhere that he got really, really sick of drawing Jiminy Cricket's head so many different ways. <laughs> wow, interesting. I know... He was also the animator of the 1943 cartoon Chicken Little. Mmm. Which had a remake, right? Yes, in 2005, a com as a computer-animated science fiction comedy. That's right. I didn't know that that was a remake, actually. Yeah, he did. He also was an animator for a 1969 Oscar-winning short called It's Tough to Be a Bird. It was the last short produced by Disney itself to win an Oscar until... The 2012 short Paper Man, which, which accompanied Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, that makes sense because at that point, D Disney was really shifting into feature-length films and stepping away from putting its energy into shorts. He was, he was a writer for the 1961 movie Babes in Toyland as well. What was that film about? Based on a, on a classic operetta, which was a Christmas movie, I know, and the toy soldiers that were in the movie were also the same ones who appeared in this the A Spoonful of Sugar sequence in Mary Poppins that came out a few years later. Got it. Cool. So as a writer, he also was able to contribute to the earlier parts of the story, 
which then the animator participates in bringing to life, the director controls and oversees, and the producer makes happen. So he was he really served every role in the film production at some point. I know. He was an animator for a short called Melody, that which was which introduced Professor Owl, a wise and funny blue owl. And then another short called Toot, Whistle, Plunk, and Boom that also came out in 1953. Right, right. Those two, I think, were Disney's first things to be released in 3D. Oh, wow. How did the 3D work back then? Different. That was a lot less advanced than was later. Mm -hmm. But it still would have been really impressive to audiences back then. Yeah, I know. He animated many of the classics and things. He was an animator for Mary Poppins, I remember. He directed the Eyes in Outer Space documentary short from 1959. That's right. He also was a writer and director for for a Disneyland episode from Disney's first anthology series from the 1950s. Escalation, which was a two-minute short that Ward Kimball directed, was the only short made outside of Disney Studios by one of Disney's nine old men. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, and it was a little bit political. It criticized... uh, Lyndon B. Johnson's Vietnam War policy. Oh, from back at the time. Interesting. It was a little controversial, I see. Yeah, yeah. So because it wasn't with Disney Studios, he didn't have to necessarily follow the rules of Disney. And so he was experimenting a little bit. But it was just that one short. Got it, though. Yeah. And he actually lived, I think, to be the oldest of any of Disney's nine old men. No, I think the oldest, I think, of Disney's nine old men, it was Ollie Johnston, who passed away in... 2008 at 95 he passed away in 2002 at 88 okay got it got it. you're right ollie johnson was older but he's one of the oldest because a lot of the nine old men died younger back in the 80s and it looks like kimball's legacy is stored in a kimball family collection which has a bunch of home movie reels documenting films that he was interested in that he participated in the making of I think he was also involved with the Disneyland Railroad. Actually, in 2005, a, a few years after his death, the Disneyland Railroad named its newly acquired locomotive number five, Ward Kimball, in his memory. That's great. Now, why, why don't we talk about two more of Disney's nine old men who we have left? I think we only have one more, and it's Les Clark. Oh, yes, right. He was the first of Disney's nine old men to join on. I see, yeah. He was an animator for a lot of things, like many of, like for some of the Alice comedies from the 1920s. Which were some of Disney's very, very early works. He also worked on the Silly Symphonies. Like he did uh, Steamboat Willie, the very first Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah, and worked on the development of Mickey Mouse as he got more and more cartoons. Some Silly Symphonies like the Ugly Duckling the moose hunt the skeleton dance yeah the alice comedies were i think the ones that were introduced oswald the lucky rabbit and peg leg pete that's right so he has his name on a lot of really really early disney productions i know at the same time though his career lasted all the way until the 80s yes actually he passed away in 1979 Mm, that's right so what was the last film he worked on 
the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, but I think he was posthumously animators in the Mickey Mouse disco short and some other things. Got it. As well as the, the Sorcerer's Apprentice segment from the original Fantasia, which was reused in Fantasia 2000. Got it. In Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which was the first big film that all of the nine old men worked on, uh, Les Clark specifically worked on the scene where Snow White dances with each of the seven dwarves, which is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, the iconic silly song number. Yeah, it's so fun. And, you know, the amount of work that went into animating that scene, I can only imagine because they had to study and study and study how people look when they're dancing in order to make it a realistic scene. He was the animator for the Nutcracker suite besides the Sorcerer's Apprentice in Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he a directing animator for other classics like Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and Lady and the Tramp, as well as the sequence director of Sleeping Beauty and Math Mad Donald Duck in Math Magic Land. Cool. He was also the director on plenty of films. Like, for instance, some um, shorts like from their early years when they had things for television, when television was a fairly new thing at the time. That's right. And that was a that was a popular medium for shorts because they could be in and out in between advertisements and such. I know. He was an animator for Robin Hood, one of his last films he animated. He was animator for Make Mine Music and Melody Time, Fun and Fancy Free, even the controversial Song of the South movie, and a hybrid film called So Dear to My Heart from 1949 as well as the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. If you dig, dig, dig with a shovel or a pick. In a mine, in a mine, in a mine, in a mine, where a million diamonds shine. We dig, 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 dig from so, Ezra, let's talk about Disney's Nine Old Men and their legacy as a whole. They have taught many good lessons and morals to, especially to ones who they who were students of them who would become famous later. Yeah, like those 12 foundational principles of animation like we talked about last week. Those are really, really critical guidelines for how people present characters and scenes in animation even today. I know, yes. And showing how the animation with technology and the animation was so different then compared to how it's like today. Yeah. Like what I think that people don't realize today is that a film like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was mind-blowing to people at the time that it came out in a way that you really don't see now. We have such advanced technology that you can't really equate anything that we would see nowadays to the level of shock that a film like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves would have induced in people. They were simply amazed. Yes, it changed the world. And that was because of the leaps forward that animation, thanks to these nine old men, in that film took. Ezra, describe the difference between the animation style of, say, the Silly Symphonies or the Alice comedies versus the animation we see in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. For decades, it's evolved with the technology. Ezra, can you tell that that 
the characters in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves move in a much more human way than Disney characters prior to that film. Yes, they do. And also with the basic principles of animation, like squash and stretch, anticipation, all the 12 steps of basic principles of animation is what they used when they all made these films during their lifetime. Yeah, they really honed in on these elements that make things really believable, that make audiences commit to characters. People, you know, at the end of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, people cried when they thought that Snow White had died. And that was a first because you wouldn't have cried or any or felt very much of anything at any of the silly symphonies, would you? No, yes. But then it all becomes happier when the prince kisses her and and it's a happy ending. That's right. Like and like the dance of Snow White in the silly song sequence was later used for Maid Marian in Robin Hood. Oh interesting. I didn't know that. Over the years there have been recycled animation. Like they would reuse the same what like movement of a character and reuse it for a different character in another movie yeah and they can do that because with those older films those frames were physical copies of drawings and you know sketches that had been drawn out to create the illusion of movement same idea like little john and robin hood was supposed to look like baloo from the jungle book interesting and he had was voiced by the same actor too bill harris oh wow so we can trace directly from decisions that the that disney's nine old men made on snow white and the seven dwarves to other animated films over the years yeah like the ending sequence of sleeping beauty was reused at the end of beauty and the beast over 30 years later wow that's so cool you can't do that with clips from live action films huh i know it's so interesting how Disney has recycled animation and reused some of the same animation technique for a different thing in another film. Mm-hmm. And how that has happened despite the huge advancement of technology since the 1930s. Yeah. Cool. So in conclusion, Disney's Nine Old Men were, you know, foundational in animation and animated movies as we know it today through their teaching of other animators, through their foundational principles through the characters that they created through the standards that they set for disney going forward the creation of a full-length feature film i know especially these well-loved classics nine old men we need to answer our trivia question from last week that was what disney pixar movie did frank thomas and ollie johnston make a cameo in and the answer is the incredibles after the scene where they defeat the omnidroid robot and everyone cheers for them for saving the city and frank and thomas and ollie johnston appear saying just like old school just like old school do they appear as animated characters Yes. Cool. I love that they did that. What a great testament. So for this week, we need to have a new trivia question also about Disney's Nine Old Men. Which 
Disney animated film was the last one in which Disney's Nidal, all of Disney's Nidal men were involved with? That's a great question. We will let you know next week. And speaking of next week, we have a special treat in the next episode of Animation Beyond. We're going to have our first ever interview. So Ezra and I will be sitting down with Ezra's family friend, Rob, who has worked in comedy his whole career and who is working on a new show that comes out later this week. Yeah, I know. I forgot to mention this earlier about my birthday. The day before my birthday, I did a new animated video that I posted. I saw that. I really liked that film. Yes, based on my own idea. It's a really good film. I enjoyed watching that. All right. So yeah, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up with that next episode in our first ever interview. So be sure to listen into our episode next week. But for now, thank you for listening to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Thank you for listening and we'll, and we'll see you on our next really big and exciting new episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>